Well, he is worthy of our praise this morning. If you believe that, say amen. I trust you've come with an offering of praise for him today. If you have your Bibles this morning and you'd like to turn with me, Psalm 33 is what we'll be looking today. Psalm chapter 33, as we've been reminded in many ways this morning, uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Hard to believe that we're there this year, but Advent is a special time of waiting and preparing. It's the time we Uh, Get ready to celebrate the coming of Christ, the light of the world, over 2,000 years ago to be our Savior. It's also a time that we look forward with anticipation to Christ coming again. If you're thankful for the promise that Jesus is going to return again, say amen. I hope that you're excited about that as well. Today we concentrate on afresh on the hope that we have in waiting. You know, hope's an interesting word. This word hope is an interesting word. What is hope? Well, the modern, the modern idea of hope is to wish for, uh, is to wish for, to expect but without certainty of fulfillment, to desire very much but with no real assurance that you'll get what you desire. It's kind of like when you were in the long line outside of Best Buy this uh, a Friday or so ago that maybe looked something like this. I think I see you standing there, maybe right? It's this idea of, I hope I can get to the big screen TVs before they're all gone, right? And yet somehow no, because if you're like me, you're just around the back corner of the building that there's probably no way that you're ever going to make it there. But I hope that I can get there. This is kind of the, the, wor- the world's definition of hope. But in Scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words that we translate this word hope, the meaning, the meaning is different. Hope is an indication of certainty. Hope in Scripture means a strong and confident expectation that what we believe is going to happen will happen. It's quite different from the way we use the modern word hope today. In our relationship with God, this word hope is very similar to the word trust and implies this confident expectation that God will come through for me. If if you're thankful today that we can put our hope in Jesus Christ, say amen. I'm thankful for that. And there's times in our life when we use this word hope, right? And it's normally when things are difficult, when we're walking through a a hardship or a difficult set of circumstances. And it's in these kinds of times that we need to know that our hope is in someone that will come through for us. The truth is the problem today is that we we can have hope, but too often we find ourselves putting hope in the wrong place. That would be known as misplaced hope. And we do that today. A lot of times we put our hope in the wrong place, in the wrong thing. Here in Psalm 33, verses 16 and 17, we're going to start with verse 16. Keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking through uh, more of this passage throughout the morning. But the psalmist reminds us here in Psalm 33 that we can put our hope in what, in what may seem logical or in what the world would tell us is the right place, only to find that it's misplaced, right? Listen to what the psalmist reminds us here of uh, chapter 33, verse 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Here in just these couple of verses, we find three different places that we commonly put our hope. You see, there are common places where we put our hope. Three of them are mentioned just in these couple of verses, right? The first is we put our hope in others. Notice what it says. No king is saved by the size of his army. 
See, we can be tempted to put our hope in other people, right? You can hear the train of thought here. If my army is big enough, then I'm going to be okay, right? If, if my army is big enough, I'm going to be okay. If I can just get enough people on my side, then everything is going to be all right. I won't be defeated. Think about this this morning with me. We're pretty good. We're pretty good at making our case and trying to get people on our side, aren't we? A couple of us. See where I'm tracking this morning? A lot of times when we find ourselves in trouble, what we begin to do is try to make our case as to why that we feel like that we're right and that the world is treating us wrong, right? And we begin to put ourselves, uh, trust in, in, in the fact that if we can just get others to agree with us, if we can just convince others that we're right and they'll agree with us, then everything will be okay because everybody else knows that I have to be right, right? So we can put our hope in other people, and the reality is that when we put our hope in other people, so often people will let us down. We can also put our, our hope in ourselves. Notice what it goes on to say there. No king is saved by the size of his army. Then it says this, no warrior escapes by his great strength. You see, what we can do is if we choose not to put our hope in other people, we then turn inward and we say, I can hope in me. I, I can trust me. I may not be able to trust anybody else because everybody else is going to let me down. So, so I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it. And we put our hope in ourselves. I'm strong enough. I can do it. I, I read a story a while back, and you may remember this. Helicopter, helicopter pilot Ian Mc, um, McConnell, along with the rest of his air station crew, was summoned at 4 a.m., back uh, during Hurricane Katrina in 2005 to the Coast Guard Aviation Training Center uh, just, side, just outside uh, Mobile, Ala Mobile, Alabama. And the center became one of the first uh, bases for flight operations to help with the rescue uh, during Hurricane Katrina. McConnell and his crew were told to keep their 5H-60 helicopters airborne on missions at all times around the clock. They knew they would have to get in there and help rescue people. The first airborne relief teams arrived in the affected areas even before the news crews got there and they were completely unprepared for the devastation that they saw. They were flying in and out and in and out and just felt like they weren't even beginning to make a dent in what was, what was needed. They saw all kinds of things and you can remember pictures of the devastation. The entire city of New Orleans was underwater. McConnell and his crew, they got to work though and they began airlifting stranded people to, uh, from their rooftops and out of windows to, to the Superdome helipad there in New Orleans. To their surprise, however, as they were making these uh, trips back and forth, they were only able to help a relatively few number of survivors. In fact, in a, in, a, in a later interview, McConnell will go on to share why. He said, on our first three missions, we saved 89 people, three dogs and a cat. He said, we were doing pretty well at first. But on our fourth mission, as daylight came, and on the fourth mission, to our great frustration, we weren't able to save anyone, but not for lack of trying. He said the dozens, the dozens that we would attempt to rescue there began to refuse pickup. They would begin to wave us off. He said some people were saying, just bring us food and water. And he said we would tell them, you're trying to live in unhealthy conditions and the water's going to stay high for a really long time. But still these people would refuse. Here's a, here's a picture. Can you imagine? Hey, I got this. 
I'm good, right? Just bring me food and water. And this next picture that I'm just getting ready to show you, I think, I think sums it up. I almost didn't use it, but I want you to see. I think this sums up how we can even be at times. Look at this. Can you see the water? The water is up to the edge of his couch, and he's reclined sitting there like he's watching TV on a Sunday afternoon, right? Watching football. And when I saw this picture, I thought, if this doesn't describe how so many of us choose to live today, right? McConnell, he would go on to say, he said, I felt frustrated. He said, I felt angry since we had used precious time and fuel to try to get in there and pick these people up, right? I felt like they were ungrateful. But he said, here's what the truth was. He said, the truth was they did not know how desperate their situation was, they didn't know how desperate their situation was. And so often that's true for us. We feel like we can make it on our own. We don't want to be saved, really. We just feel like that if I can trust in me, I'll get this figured out. And, and our pride and our selfishness stands in the way of receiving the help and the provision that we desperately need. We can't navigate through the deep waters of this life on our own. We need the help of one who is able to save us and deliver us and help us every single day. If you believe that, say amen. We can't put our trust in ourselves. It's misplaced hope. We put our hope in others. We put our hope in ourselves. We also put our hope in things. The psalmist goes on to say, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. The warrior would say, if I just have the strongest and fastest and most reliable horse, no one can catch me in battle, right? If I just have the right stuff, if I just have the right tools, nobody can catch me when things get tough. Today we might say, if I, if I just have the right job, if I just have the most money or a larger house, if I can, if I can, if I can just uh, make a certain amount of income, then I don't have to worry about anything. If I can just land that job, if I can just get that promotion, make the sale, get through school, if I can just get my kids in the right school or the right program, if I can just get my kids in the right program, then everything is going to be just fine. You have the right tools around me. I wonder this morning, which horse are you riding? Which horse are you riding? Psalmist says a horse is a vain hope for deliverance, but we put our hope in a lot of things that we think are going to deliver us, that we think are going to help us through the next situation. If I can just get to the right horse, so to speak, then I'm going to make it through. And the psalmist tells us, despite all its strength, it cannot save us. We put our hope at times in everything but where it should be placed. We put our hope in others. We trust in ourselves. We place our hope in things that will, that, will, that will perish and spoil and fade away. When what we need to do, as the psalmist reminds us to here, is to not have misplaced hope, but rather to have correctly placed hope. Verse 18, but, right? But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in the famine. He reminds us here that our hope must always be in the unfailing love of God. The love of God never fails. He's the only one who can save us. He's the only one who can really deliver us. He's the only one that can provide all that we need in times of hardship and difficulty. And here's why. 
Here's why. Because we're going to, throughout our lives, I just have to tell you, and I'm learning more and more and more, right? Learning more and more and more that this is true. Throughout our lives, the seasons are going to change. We're going to have seasons of blessing and abundance and, and feel like that, that God has been there and been with us and surrounded us. And the seasons are going to change. And there's going to be other times in our life where we're going to walk through dark valleys and difficulties and hardships. But I have to remind you today that no matter what season that we're in or what set of circumstances we find ourselves in this morning, we can have correctly placed hope because God sees. He knows exactly what season you are in right now. He knows exactly what you're facing this morning. His eyes are on those who fear him, who hope in him. God sees all of his people. He sees all of creation, but his eye is especially on those who have put their hope and trust in him, who are walking hand in hand with him every single day. Think about this with me this morning. I can see you today. As I look around, I can see you. You can see me, right? I can see you. But God sees you differently than I see you. God sees you differently than I see you. I can't see what's deep within your heart. I can't see your life completely with all its different facets and sides, but God sees you in that way. He understands right where you are today. He understands the very depths of your heart this morning. In my prayer today, I said, you know what? The person on our right or our left may not have a clue what we're going through, but God understands right what you're facing. Nobody else in this world knows your thoughts, but can I remind you today, God knows your thoughts. And he knows your heart. And he knows the things that, that, that are hurting you and that are dragging you down. God sees you today. And he never loses sight of you. No matter how dark the time may be, can I just tell you, he sees. He sees right where you are. You never fall off his radar. You might remember the story from 2011 and from Washington, D.C. During the early morning hours, American Airlines Flight 1012 um, was approaching uh, Washington, D.C. from Miami, approaching Ronald Reagan Airport. Uh, radio the tower for instructions to land, kind of protocol. Every flight does that. The pilot waited for a response, but there was no response. He circled again. He radioed the tower again and still no response. That day, the, the pilot had to make a difficult decision to go ahead and land the plane unassisted without permission to the Washington, D.C. Ronald Reagan Airport. Why did this happen? Well, the news story came out the next day, and you might remember, but the air traffic controller on duty that night had fallen asleep. He'd fallen asleep. He wasn't watching, he wasn't listening or helping those who needed him most. It's scary to think about something like that happening, especially in our nation's capital. But can I tell you today, that will never happen with the God that you serve. You never fall off his radar. He knows exactly where you are today. I almost decided not to read this this morning, but... I want you to hear in that context these words from Psalm 121. You know the psalm. Hear it in, in this context. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. 
Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. He's the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. And everyone said, wow, what a great, great chapter filled with the promises of God. I lift my eyes to him. Why? Because he already has his eyes upon me. He is watching. He cares about you today. It's enc- it should encourage us today that know, to know that when we put our hope in him, that he sees every detail and he understands all that we're facing. He's not unaware of our circumstances, but God sees and cares, but he also goes on to remind us that he never fails. Verse 18, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. His love is unfailing this morning. Have you ever thought about that? God's love for you never fails, right? God is love and his love never fails. He cannot fail you today. He loves you, he cannot fail you. Others will fail us. We will fail ourselves. Things will fail us, but God will never fail us. That's why we can put our hope in him. That's why we can trust him this morning, because he has a perfect track record. He never fails. There's been so many times in my life when situation around me has looked hopeless. How about you? A few of us have been in hopeless situations. Probably all of us have faced situations that we didn't know how they were going to work out. It seemed hopeless. In my own life, I can think about health problems at different times. I can think about financial problems. I can think about situations that were work-related. But what I found to be true is this, is that God is dependable. No matter the problem or the difficulty, he is dependable. He never fails. He's never perplexed. He's never stumped. He's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. We may not know what to do this morning. You may not know what direction to go, but can I just remind you that God does, and he won't fail. We have to put our hope in him, and when we put our hope in him, he will always deliver. To deliver them from death, verse 19 says, and keep them alive in the famine. He sees our need. He loves us. He will never fail us. He will deliver us and see us through. He's proven it time and time and time again. Too many times to even begin to count. Too many times to even begin to list. Our God will deliver us. We see it all throughout Scripture, right? See it all throughout Scripture, Times when situations would get dark, start all the way back in the book of Genesis and go all the way through. Situations where things would seem to get dark and then God would step in. And then God would step in and situations would get desperate and God would step in. Things would would seem hopeless and then God would step in. So often we find ourselves going, I don't understand why why I'm going through this or I don't understand why this is happening. And we say those things many times during the darkest moments of our lives. Can I just remind you today that we celebrate this Advent, first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. And can I just remind you this morning that in the darkest times of our life, when those times where we wonder, is God going to deliver? It's in those moments that we need to see the light of Jesus Christ shimmering. How about this? We need to see the light of Jesus Christ not just shimmering, but we need to get our eyes upon him and understand that the light of Jesus Christ is burning in full today. 
No matter how dark the world may get around us, no matter how desperate the situations that we find ourselves in today may seem, no matter how dark the times we're walking in, the bright light of Jesus Christ is not waning this morning. But it is shining brightly. In fact, we need to allow, we need to open our heart to the light of Christ and allow him to shine into us in such a way that everywhere we go, the light of Jesus Christ is shining through us. You see, if you need fresh hope today, the answer is opening your heart to Jesus and allowing his light to shine in to you. Where is God? Where is he today? Why can't I see him? Why isn't he working the way I want him to work? Let me tell you something. Lift your eyes to Jesus Christ this morning and let him shine brightly afresh into your life. He is our deliverer. We must put our hope and trust in him. He will keep us alive in the famine. He will keep us alive when things get hard and tough. We need to look to him and ask him to forgive us for trying to take control. In the moment that we feel like that he's abandoned us, we need to run to him and allow him to deliver and take over. He never fails. That's where correctly placed hope begins. And it continues as we are patient. It continues as patient hope. Look at verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Patient hope daily submits and surrenders our lives and situation to God completely. Patient hope. We don't know exactly how it's going to work out. Ever been there? We don't know exactly how it's going to work out. We don't exactly know when things are going to work out. But we know that they will. Jesus Christ came in fulfillment to the promise of Scripture. In fact, the promises of Scripture throughout the Old Testament, prophecy after prophecy was foretold that Jesus would come. Jesus came in fulfillment of that prophecy. People who lived in those days, they anticipated with hope that one day, that one day, that one day the Messiah would come and he came. I wonder, are we living with the same anticipation that one day, one day Jesus is going to come again? His promises are true. He is going to come again. Amen? His promises are true. How do we wait? We wait expectantly. We wait with hope. We also know that we can wait with hope concerning our present circumstance that we find ourselves in today. We can wait with hope knowing that even though maybe the season has been long, knowing that even though things have have, have drug out and we wonder, are you going to come through? We can wait and know that he is our help and our shield. Whether Jesus delivers us from that situation today or whether it's tomorrow or a week from now or longer, we can know that day by day by day, he will provide the grace and the mercy. Are you glad this morning that his mercies are new every morning? Every single morning, his mercies are new. And he provides them for us to help us to see us through. His grace is new. His mercy is new. His wisdom is new every single day. That's why we have to live one day at a time, waiting in anticipation and hope that today could be the day. I don't know how you do it, but I know in my own life, 
There have been so many times where I've lived in seasons where every morning I would wake up longing for Jesus to come through because the burden that I was carrying was so heavy. And I would wake up in the morning and I remember before I would even get out of bed, this one difficult season of my life, I, would, I woke up every day and said, Lord, today could be the day. Lord, I'm trusting that today could be the day when you come through. Today could be the day when you provide for me. And every morning, day after day, week after week, month after month, I would wake up and say, Lord, I'm trusting that today could be the day. And I have to tell you and praise God to say that finally there was a day that that was the day. He came through. Why? Because he's faithful to come through. And as I look back on that season of my life, I can tell you that day after day after day, his mercies were new. His grace was new. His strength was new. His provision was new. One day at a time, moment by moment, he provided in my life. Can I tell you that we can live waiting with that kind of hope, knowing that Jesus Christ is faithful to us? If you're glad for that today, say amen. There's no better place to be this morning than having our situations and circumstances surrendered to God and simply hoping expectantly and resting in his hands. Keith Manis tells the story about his wife's aunt. Her name was Gladys, and he talked about how that he would always enjoy uh, going over to her home. She had a, an apple orchard on her property, and um, he, said, he said, year after year we would go, and I would always like admire the apples. But he said, one year we went, and the, the apples were just, it was just a huge harvest. I mean, the trees were leaning over, kind of like this picture. The trees were leaning over and draping down almost to the ground because there were just so many apples. The, the harvest was abundant. The, the branches, he said, were sagging, even some of them cracking over the weight of this abundant harvest. He said, no one in, in many, many, many years had seen such a harvest of, of apples. He said, when I asked her why, she told me that, she told me this story. He said, he said she told him that the year before, the year before, there was a, a late frost in the spring. There was a late frost in the spring. And all the buds on the trees the year before had, had frozen. And he said she went on to share with him that an apple tree does a miraculous thing when that happens. It stores up all of the energy that it would have used on fruit for that year. It stores up within itself. It stores up energy in thousands of small bumps or nodules called Sion's. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, whatever, what is it? I'm not an orchard owner. There you go. Right? But he said that it stores all of this up in what they call Sion, little nodes or bumps right there on the limbs. It stores up all of that energy. And he said all of that energy would pulsate through the, the network of Sion's until the following year, the next spring, right? A year later, after waiting for that whole entire year, the very next year, all of a sudden, all of this energy would explode out, right? And you have this riot, he said, of buds all over these apple trees. And this tree unleashes all of that stored energy. In other words, the frost that was intended to harm eventually produces these buds that yield an abundant crop the very next year after waiting and waiting and waiting. He said, as I heard Aunt Gladys share that story with me, he said, it made me think about our spiritual lives Sometimes harsh frosts come. Sometimes things like marital problems or bankruptcy or cancer or trauma or grief or depression cause our hearts to want to freeze over. 
But he said at the core of the Christian faith, we also live with this incredible promise, right? This incredible promise that in and through Christ, there will be someday an abundant harvest of his power coming forth from us and working in great ways. He says all underneath the skin is God's power pulsating. And deep within the surface, we wait in hope, in anticipation for God to one day work during certain seasons of our life. While we wait and long and even ache for those frozen places to burst into life. Have you ever been there? I was talking with someone this week about there are just times when we walk through our life where it's just like there's this aching deep within the pit of our heart as we wait upon God. As we wait upon him to work. As we long for him to come on the scene and make a difference. There can just be seasons where we ache within us desiring for God to work. I'm just glad for those times when finally that aching turns into joy, right? That, that mourning turns into joy. And, and, that, and that grief that we seem to be going through turns into times of, of celebration as we know that God has come on the scene and he's come through and he's provided in real ways. That happens when we wait hoping in Jesus Christ who never fails us. We wait upon him. And when God is in complete control of our lives, he can be trusted. Verse 22, we wait, the psalmist says, may your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Don't you love that? May your unfailing love, what? Rest upon us as we put our hope in you, as we wait, God, upon you to work. May your love that never fails just come and envelop us. I can't think of a better way to wait, can you? Not trying to make things happen, right? Not trying to make things happen, not trying to do it on our own, not trying to manipulate the situation, not trying to put our trust in other things that ultimately will fail us, but committing our lives and circumstances and situations to Jesus and allowing his unfailing love to flood our hearts and to rest upon us as we hope in him. I wish I could promise you today that the circumstances maybe that you're in right now that the, that the answer would come today. Maybe it will. And maybe it'll be tomorrow. And maybe it'll be a little bit further down the road. But I can't think of a better way to wait than in total and complete surrender, in total and complete trust, putting your total and complete hope in the one who never fails. He will not fail. Will you wait patiently this morning and put your hope in God? He will deliver. We sang a song this morning that said, All our hope is in you. All our hope is in you, the light of the world. Is all your hope in Jesus this morning? Is all your hope in the Messiah who has come to deliver, to save, to help, to provide? I trust this morning that you will put your hope in Jesus and wait expectantly upon him. I'd like for you to stand with me this morning, if you would. Pastor Nathan is going to come today. I want to give you an opportunity to come and seek the Lord this morning. Maybe you're going through a situation right now where you truly need to just surrender it to God. You truly do need to just come and say, Lord, I put my hope in you publicly today. I come before you, Lord, and I put my hope and my trust in you afresh today.
Maybe you want to come and seek God in that way this morning. I just want to let you know that he wants to work. He wants to help as you surrender to him. Father, we're grateful this morning that our hope and our trust and our confidence can be in you. May your Holy Spirit continue to draw near to us as we seek you in these moments, Lord. We love you today, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the way that you desire to work in our life. Help us not to be satisfied with the season that we're in and the attitude that we have, but Lord, help us to seek you today, the one who's more than able to provide. In Jesus' name.